0: Dr. Luis Sandoval is accomplished in the fields of mental health and spiritual warfare. A medical doctor, board certified in neurology, psychiatry, and family medicine, he is also a psychiatrist for the Roman Catholic Diocese of Orange, Ministry of Healing, and Deliverance. Now, Dr. Luis Sandoval. All right, well, welcome to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You are listening to the Dr. Louis Sandoval Show. As always, I am your host, Dr. Louis Sandoval. Good to have you here. Always a pleasure to be here with our Catholic audience to speak about our faith, to really come to try to understand who we are as Catholics, what does it mean, and really to build each other up. That's really what it comes down to. I mean, why do we want to listen to Catholic radio? Why do we want to listen to different shows on topics of the Catholic faith? Really, what it comes down to is we want to know the truth, we want to know about ourselves, and we want to know how to get closer to God. But one of the questions I had lately was, can we ever really get to know ourselves or anybody else? Hmm, a little bit interesting, a little bit philosophical. Well, let's get the show started here at the top of the noon hour with the Angelus. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived of the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. Pour forth, we beseech thee, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we, to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross, be brought to the glory of his resurrection, through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke and we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the heavenly host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who prowl around the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You know, it's interesting. As a psychiatrist uh, doing therapy, as a physician, even as a primary care doctor, getting to know people, I say that I get to know people, but I realized it's interesting when when we interact, I'm really not going to know who somebody truly is until we get to heaven. And even then, who knows? Because it's up to God how much we know about each other. I was thinking about this the other day because there was a patient who came to me, and what was going on with them? They wanted to do, well, actually, they came to me because they were feeling depressed and anxious was the main reason, but they came to me because their family prompted them to come to me. So they were living at home, they were late teens, shall we say, Um, we'll go with uh, late teens, early 20s, more or less was the age, Uh, and they came to my office and they said, yeah, I'm kind of feeling depressed, I'm kind of feeling anxious. And I always ask anybody who comes to see me, you know, do you really feel that? Do you feel that that's accurate? Do you feel that, um, you know, what emotions are you going through? And when I said, well, you're depressed or you're anxious, how do you know that? right? What symptoms are you having? Why would you say that you're depressed and anxious? And they said, well, you know, my, my family tells me I am, and they asked me to come. And I said, well, who, who in your family? Well, my mom told me that, and my brother told me that. and um, they, So I kind of needed, needed to talk to somebody. Um, but I said, do you feel it's accurate? They said, yeah, I guess. I haven't been myself lately. I haven't had as much fun lately. I haven't really been doing what I do normally. I said, well, what do you normally do? Oh, gosh, well, you know, normally I like to go out with my friends. I like to play video games. I like to, you know, try different things out. I um, I like to go to different places to eat, foods, restaurants. And lately I've just kind of been sitting in my room and, you know, not doing much. And I said, okay, well, what have you been doing in your room? Mostly playing video games. Also, you still, you still play video games so that you enjoy that. And they said, nah, I do it because they're there, but I'm not enjoying it as much anymore. I said, you know, that's okay. That's a really, really good descriptor. You know, sometimes people as we go through life sometimes and how, how often do we just go through the motions and try to figure out, gosh, I'm gonna fake it till I make it today because I'm just not feeling it. I just don't know what's going on. The interesting thing was this, they told me, you know, I feel that way. My mom and my and my brother told me that I should probably get help because I wasn't feeling too good. But my friends don't know the difference. And I said, well, what do you mean? How do you know? So, well, because, you know, I call my friends or we're online, you know, doing social media. So they were on different social media sites and they talked to each other. And I said, well, on social media, I can still reply the way I normally do. Nobody's to ask me if I was depressed or anything like that. And I said, well, well, are you hanging out with your friends still? Or are, you, are you still going out? Oh, yeah, yeah, no. I mean, we don't go out that often because a lot of times we just communicate through the computer. And I thought, okay, well that's interesting. So you guys just, you don't even know your, do you know your friends personally? Yeah, we know each other personally. Okay, how often do you see each other in person? Maybe once a month, maybe twice, every, every two months or so. But for the most part, so th- I found out they're part of a gaming community. So they get on the video games and <clears throat> they talk through the video games and they can put on headphones or they can write to each other through the video games, like a chat box or something. And uh, they tell me yeah we mostly do that so i still see my friends that's why i'm still in contact with my friends because we're in there while we're while we're playing video games i see them pop up and and we're talking i don't know exactly and personally i don't know exactly how all these video games work but i understand that there's communities of video games and people get into the video games and whatnot so i thought that was an interesting conversation to have and uh, as i continue to talk to the person i said well what do you want to do from here on out and they said well you know I." Let's just talk and see where we're at. And I said, okay, that sounds like a good idea. I didn't think they needed medication at the time. I wanted to find out a little bit more what changed, what do you feel changed, and, and what's going on. So <clears throat> as we kept getting to know each other, as we kept talking, they uh, they let me know that, you know, they were going through a transitionary period in their life. Remember I said they were late teens, early 20s. They were wondering what they were going to do with their life, what they were going to do with a career, they felt burdened by their family expectations, and they felt, uh, you know, that they the parents really wanted something for them. Uh, the their siblings kind of didn't care, and uh, and this person uh, didn't really know what to do. They had some interest, but they they um, they didn't want to uh, make a decision. And the main reason they didn't want to make a decision is because they were afraid of hurting the parents hurting somebody else making the wrong decision for their life and that was interesting i thought it was interesting on on multiple levels um at the end of the day we kept talking and the person started feeling better when we started just kind of exploring their decision then they realized that i had no invested interest as far as what decision they made in their life i mean whatever decision they made was theirs it wasn't going to affect me at all and so i think they really appreciated having a third party uh, listen to them and going on this journey And eventually after, I think it probably took about six months or so, just kind of talking therapy. It didn't require medication. It was just more they felt stuck and they needed to talk it through and they needed to know that it was okay to make their own decision as far as a career or to realize that they didn't even know what they wanted. They hadn't even explored a decision because in the back of their mind, they always felt that there were these family expectations that they were going to have to live up to. And that was really, really hard for them. Well, after six months, we talked about ways of saying, hey, how can you come up with your own plan? You know, let's open that door up to say, this is what I really like to do. This is what I want to do. I'm going to come up with my own plan. And I'm going to let my family know what I want to do. But I'm going to get into it so that, you know, I'm serious about it. At least for now, it can change in the future. I want to be serious about it. Maybe they can be uh, supportive of it if they see that I am taking these steps and measures. And that'll be really, you know, good for them. good for them to see that this is not just something on a whim because sometimes it's hard for family members to see each other grow up, especially as parents. You know, It's hard for us to see our kids and realize, man, they're they're growing up. And so the person got better. They talked to their family and they were able to make some decisions for themselves. And that was really, really good. and, And that issue resolved. But it made me think about a lot of things. How well do we really know each other? How well do we really know our siblings, our family members? How much do we know about what's going on in their inner life. And how much do we even know about what's going on in our inner life? There is something called the inner life. And we have to, I think we have to recognize that we have to realize that we don't think about it because we're so busy trying to get through the day or, you know, running on that hamster wheel. We're just kind of got to get to work, got to do this, got to do that. And a lot of times we don't stop to think about what's going on inside of me. What's going on inside my heart? How's my relationship with God? And what do I do about that? It's funny because for us ultimately wanting to get to heaven and thinking that eternity is going to be forever, obviously, right? That's redundant. Eternity is forever. But we don't think of that sometimes. We just think, gosh, I got to do what I got to do today. I got to get ahead. Eternity is going to be forever. My life with God hopefully will be a happy one forever because hopefully we're headed in that direction and that's what we pray for. That's what we aim for. But how much do I focus on that? How much do I focus on my relationship with God? It was interesting because when I was talking to this person and they were talking about their video games, I thought in a weird way, I think the inner life is a lot like a video game, you know, that the person can see while they're playing it, I can play, they can play with it by themselves in the room. I don't know what's going on in that video game. Apparently there's adventures, there's quests, there's magic, there's this, there's that. There's so many different things that go on in the game. It's like a whole nother world in there. And that's kind of what I started thinking. That's what our inner lives are like. My inner life, somebody else's inner life, there's this whole world going on inside of there that I don't even know about. I think it's a whole world of adventures that if I don't stop and think and look at it, I'm going to miss all the characters at play. And what I really mean by the inner life is really tapping into our soul, our conscience, as into how it relates to eternity, meaning am I tapped into heaven? Am I tapped into uh, the idea that there's a communion of saints? Am I praying for the souls in purgatory? There's a whole adventure going on out there that I don't see. It's almost like a video game. I got to turn it on. I got to flip that switch in my brain and I got to see, well, what's going on in purgatory? What adventures are going on there? Who, what characters are there? What interactions do I have with them? What's going on in heaven? Am I having inter- any interactions with the people there? What's going on with myself? I think it's interesting to think of it that way because you know video games are great for a little while. I used to play them a long time ago um, and they were fun and I didn't really feel like I accomplished much, but it made me start to think there's a whole world of adventure out there and it can be artificial through a computer game or we can look at what's really going on in our spiritual lives and see what kind of adventures we can have more after the break. Alright, well welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You are listening to the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show. And today we are talking about the inner life, the inner spiritual life. Why is it, one, what is it? Two, why is it important? And three, what are we going to do about it? What What can? What's the purpose of even thinking about it, coming up with it? Um, how is this going to improve my life? Well, technically speaking, the inner life is, is really what is going on inside of us in mental health. In the world of therapy, we talk a lot about, oh, we're going to talk to a person, we're going to get into therapy, and we're going to explore different things. We're going to explore what's going on, what the person's thinking about, but then we're going to, sometimes you hear, we're going to go deep, and we're going to look at what's going on in the subconscious. And the subconscious is the stuff that is going on in our minds and our brains that we're not even aware about. And does it really even matter? It matters a great deal because... That's the stuff that's driving our actions, our reactions, what we're doing, what we're not doing. So if somebody comes to me for therapy and they tell me, gosh, I really, really hate my parents. okay, the first thing we're going to address is what's on the surface. And what's on the surface is really hate. Right. Well, well you say you hate your parents. Why do you hate your parents? What's going on with that? Well, because they're jerks because they don't pay attention to me. Okay, well, how do you know that they don't pay attention to you? And we start to explore this. As we start to explore what's on the surface, what we're doing is we're going deeper, as we say. So the best image I can give you is picture an iceberg in the ocean, right? And you've heard we've all heard the term the tip of the iceberg. The tip of the iceberg is what's really just on the surface. But if you've ever looked at a picture of an iceberg or you want to understand what an iceberg looks like. There's what's sticking out from the ocean that you can see, but then underneath, it's huge. It's no different than if you put an ice in a glass of water, and you can look at what's on the surface of this piece of ice, but then if you can, if you have a, a, a glass that you put it in, and you can look inside, you see how much of that ice is actually under the water, right? So the majority of the glass is going to be underwater. What's on the surface is what we can see is, is what's on the outside. It's like going through the ocean and seeing an iceberg. You see the tip. You don't know how big. The iceberg is underneath and that's really what we call our subconscious and then for this purpose of our show here i'm going to call it the inner life because the inner life whatever's going on inside of us is what's driving our interactions with the world now in the example i just gave i hate my parents i really don't like them i'm seeing the tip of the iceberg but i want to know why well they don't pay attention to me they don't know who i am okay well how do you know they don't pay attention to you well because i'm in my room all day they don't even check on me or anything like that and you know, they, they don't care about what I do. I come and go as I please. Well, I would have to talk to the parents a little bit. And I would say, well, can I talk to your parents and see what their uh, idea is of that? And I might find out that they say, look, we've come in and knocked on the door a few times. And all I hear is in a minute, I'm busy and they're on the phone. Uh, but they don't make an effort to come out of the room or talk to me or, or let us know what's going on, right? And so there's a disconnect in communication. I would talk to this patient and I would say, do your parents really hate you or do they even know you? Well, they keep interrupting me. Well, okay, then let's look at the situation. They have tried to talk to you. They have made an effort, but it wasn't good timing for you. Have you ever thought about going to talk to them? Well, why should I go talk to them? And then we're at an impasse, right? And we got to get deeper. Well, what's going on? Why wouldn't you want to go talk to your parents? Why are you in your room? And as we explore that, we get deeper and deeper and deeper into what's going on in the heart of a person, what's going on in the inner life. Here's the interesting thing. The first example I gave of the person who came to talk to me, they were concerned, they were worried about their career, their future. It's interesting that I can get to know them better than their own family who is in the same room. Now, have we ever felt that as as we get to know our family as we grow up, have we ever stopped to take the time to say, do I really know who my siblings are? Do I really know who my kids are? Have I stopped to just sit down with them and ask them in a non-judgmental way, how do you feel? What's going on? What do you think what's your favorite color today do you have a favorite sport who are your friends in school was it did they say something funny it's interesting how we start to get to know other people through other people who hang out with them even if we're there with them all day long i knew more about this person who had worries about their career and their aspirations and whatnot than even their family did you know at the end of the day they decided i really like music i want to go into music i want to be a musician and I said, okay, well, does your family even know that you like, what do you like about music? Well, I like to sing, and I like to play an instrument. And in high school, I used to play the violin in music class. I said, oh, did you ever have concerts or shows? No, we just played in music class. It wasn't a very big high school. We didn't have a big budget. We didn't put on big concerts. We just played in class. And as we talked to the family members, they didn't even know that the kid played the violin. They never even found out they, all throughout high school. They didn't know what classes they were taking. They didn't know what interests they had. And this is possible. I don't judge anybody that can happen, right? And a lot of times we think, oh, how could you not know that your kid did this or that? That happens. We're not always in tune with what's going on, even with those people closest to us, because a lot of times we have to ask ourselves, where's our inner life? What am I bogged down with? Am I bogged down with the things that are going on on the outside? Do i have enough material goods am i where i need to be in my career do i have the right friends am i impressing people on social media you know the funny part was that <clears throat> this person their friends on social media knew more about their life than even their family did because on their video games their character did some kind of music stuff had some kind of musical talent or something all those lines so that all of them knew that this was headed. And this is why we started talking about music because we started talking about the video game, what was interesting about it, what did you like in there, what, you know, I, that really gave me an insight into what was going on in this person because that's very personal. They had to create their own character, right? And they were really heavy on music. So, we, so I asked them, well, what's going on with music? And that seems to be a big part of your life. Yeah, we really love to do that, but I can't think of a career for that. have you ever thought about getting into music and teaching music and they were like oh that would be really cool i could be a music teacher and i could play all day long and music would be my whole life i said that sounds like a great career path parents wanted them to be you know more of a scientist more of an engineer more something where it was an obvious career path to the majority of people but there was nothing creative about that for this person that's what's going on where we don't really get to know people because a lot of times based on our inner life, we project and we think that we have already understood somebody and we have already, we know what's going on in their life when we see them and we see how they dress, we see how they talk, we see um, what their interests are or what we think their interests are. And we've decided, ah, I've got this person figured out. I've got this person figured out. The hard part is if we really ask ourselves, I think I figured these other people out. Have I even figured myself out? Have I taken the time to figure out why I do what I do? And that's really where the subconscious comes in. There's things about ourselves that we're never going to be able to see, that only other people can see, and that for as hard as we try, unless we have a conversation, we're not going to know about it. We're not going to know that part of ourselves. But there's part of ourselves that we really do know that we don't share with other people. And there's a lot of reasons for that, a lot of good reasons, and sometimes a lot of reasons that we need to overcome. We're going to talk about that as the show goes on, but this is what we really have to understand. When we talk about the inner life, it's really getting to know the person as the person, which is really hard to do. And we can't do that for other people unless I can start to get to know myself as myself. What does that mean? That means that aside from anything physical, aside from the style of clothes I like to wear, aside from the car I'm hoping to drive, those are all material things. They're all things on the outside. But do I know what's going on on my inside? How do I even get to that point? How do I even start with that? It's really hard. It's really hard to do in society today. And I say hard because, in order to even take the first step to do that, have you stopped to just ask yourself, who am I? What am I doing in this life? What is it that I want to accomplish? Not based on what the world tells me in career, but what do I want to accomplish for myself? How do I feel most fulfilled? One of the first ways I would say to do that <clears throat> is, this is why in the Catholic world and our Catholic faith is wonderful, is take a retreat. Who am I? I'm going to go take a retreat and just take a moment to get away from the world to stop. And I think as we get older, we start seeing the need for that a little bit more. I think as kids, we have a much better idea of who we are. I think kids are, are much more simple in their thought process. And I'm talking like in first grade, second grade, You know, where we think, ah, oh, the kid doesn't know a whole lot. If you talk to a first grader or a second grader, They're very simple. And how do I know that they're very simple? Because they're not afraid to tell you the truth. They're not afraid to, you show up and they say, wow, you look tired. You look bad. That's an ugly color on your sweater. Those are weird shoes. They tell you right what they think. They have no filter. And as adults, we grow a filter and we have to be polite and we can't really say what's right on our mind because it's not appropriate. We start to get offended or we're afraid of offending people because we start to build these barriers. But when you look at kids in the pure, honest truth, they're very simple and they don't put in a whole lot of emotion to it. They just say, that's just a fact. A lot of times for us, it's we're not ready to see the facts of our life. And I think that that's where a retreat is really good. To go somewhere where I can stop and say, what is truly going on in my life? Who am I? I want to look at the good, the bad, and the ugly, but I want to do it in a way where I'm not going to be judged too much, where other people are looking for the same thing, where when something ugly comes up from that subconscious, gosh, maybe... Maybe I am a little bit harsh on people. Maybe I think the worst of people before I think of the best of people. Maybe I want to see other people fail. Wow, why would I want to see other people fail? Well, if I keep exploring that, maybe sometimes I feel like I'm a failure. What's going on with that? What's going on in my life? Why have I failed? Why do I feel like a failure? Well, what success to me? What Subconsciously, what success? The only way I'm going to be successful is if I wear the right outfit that my mom wanted me to wear. Wow, that's a tough one. The only way I'm going to be successful is if I get good grades because that's what my parents expect. Or the only way I'm going to be successful is if I make everybody else happy before myself because that's how I grew up. Whatever it is that's going on in your mind, that's a harsh measure of success. And if I don't feel successful, if I feel like a failure, well, I don't want to be alone in that failure. So all of a sudden I see other people and I think, wow, they failed. I'm glad about that. Is it truly that I'm glad other people failed? Not as much as, wow, I'm not so alone in my own failure. That might be what comes out of it. Because if all of a sudden I take a step back, if I talk to somebody, if somebody else can give me a different perspective and say, you're nowhere near a failure. You're doing really well. I think you're doing a a great job. You just don't see it. I think you do this well, that well. And also you start to feel like a success if I in my inner life start to re- recognize, well, this is what success is, let's redefine it. It has nothing to do with grades or my outfit or pleasing other people. Success has to do with, hey, I read a good book today and it gave me a great perspective. I read the Bible today. I prayed a rosary today. I feel really successful and accomplished. Well, all of a sudden, whatever's going on in my inner life, that's how I'm going to see everybody else. I'm successful. Everybody can be successful. I'm not going to focus on what might look like people's failings, Because that's not what I'm focused on for myself. I hope that makes sense. Whatever we measure for ourselves is how we're going to judge other people. And this is why it's crucial. It's important to focus on our our inner life, on our inner spiritual life, on our inner material life, on our inner world life. Because based on how we have our inner life, based on how I live on the inside, is how I'm going to affect other people. Now, This is not a new or a novel concept. It's really, we explore this in therapy all the time. If anybody's ever heard of CBT or cognitive behavioral therapy, we realize this all the time. We just put it into very scientific terms and we don't put it into real life terms, but we say, well, how you think is going to affect how you feel. It's going to affect how you act, right? So whatever's going on inside of me, however, I think it's going to affect how I feel about myself and the world around me. That's huge. That is huge. This is what I'm thinking. How am I thinking? How am I seeing the, the world outside of me? If I think like a failure, if I think that I'm a failure, I'm gonna feel like everything's failing. I'm gonna see the world outside me failing and I'm gonna act in such a way that everything's a failure, people are failures and I'm not probably gonna be a nice person. But if I see goodness in me, if I can find that piece of my subconscious that might be good, I'm gonna start to feel good and I'm gonna have that same expectation of everybody else. I'm, that's what I'm gonna look for in other people. That's how I'm gonna act. Well, more on the inner life when we come back from the break. All right. Well, welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You are listening to the Dr. Louis Sandoval show. As always, I'm your host, Dr. Louis Sandoval. Today, we are talking about the inner life. And so far on the show, we've been talking about it from more of a therapeutic, worldly kind of way, right? What's going on inside of me? How do I feel? We got to ask ourselves, am I happy? Am I not happy? Uh, according to whatever happiness means, uh, I have to ask myself, well, am I frustrated today? You know, it's really taking that moment, taking that step back to say, what's going on in my life? How am I doing? Am I able to understand the world around me? Uh, and one of the important things to consider is this. When we interact with other people, we're, a lot of times we're very quick to feel offended or hurt. Uh, based on what they tell us, what they do to us, what they say. If I'm at, let's say, the store, I'm out of the, uh, walking around somewhere, and somebody, you know, we accidentally bump into each other, and somebody's like, what's your problem? You got issues, man. Why'd you bump into me like that? And I'm taken aback, and all of a sudden I start to feel bad. I'm like, wow, what happened? Why is that? A lot of times people will take that personally and say, oh, that person really offended me. And we don't stop to think, well, who knows what's going on in their life? Why do they react that way? This has nothing to do with me. We start to take things personally and we don't realize they must be going through some issues. And really, <clears throat> I'm not saying that I'm good about doing that in public, but I'm pretty good about doing that in clinic. I have to do that every day because when a lot of times I meet people for the first time, they come to therapy and they wanna start yelling at me. And I'm thinking, why are you yelling at me? Why are you angry at me? We just, you don't even know me, we just met. But I have to take that step back. I have to put up a wall and realize, there's a lot of anger in there for them and we need to explore that. They're just projecting on me or they're telling me they don't like me because I don't have the answers, but that tells me that maybe they feel like they don't have the answers. And if somebody bumps into me and they tell me that I'm the jerk, maybe they're feeling like they're the jerk. You know, we just met, we don't know each other. He's already made a judgment. What I'm really hearing from the way people talk, this is how we know about people's inner life or who people are. Listen to what people talk, listen to what they say. Do they want to lift me up? That tells me that they're feeling lifted up. Do they want to bring me down? That tells me that they're feeling brought down. Do they criticize everything? That tells me that they're not at peace. Do they mock everything? That tells me that there's something dark in their heart. Do they say that nothing's good, everything's doomsday? Hmm? That tells me that. I got to wonder, do they have hope in God? There's different things that are going on inside of people's lives. Just like in that video game, there's a whole adventure to be had. Why is it important to talk about the inner life? Let's flip it a little bit. We're talking about it in general and society terms, but now let's really focus on the spirituality component, the spiritual inner life, because that's what's really going to matter at the end of the day. As I get to know people, that's great. That's wonderful. I can survive in the world. A lot of times we call it emotional intelligence. That's a that's a key term. That's a, a trendy term, if you will, in the world of mental health. Emotional intelligence means that I take a step back and I do not allow my emotions to get caught up in other people's uh, um, emotional lives or if somebody's really angry, I can stay composed because I realize that has nothing to do with me. We have to do that as therapists and psychiatrists. It's is part of our job. I have to take a step back and I can't get emotionally involved. But what about the emotional spiritual life? What about the interior spiritual life? What's the purpose of that? Well, that's the key. That's really the key. Have you ever met somebody or heard of a saint or heard of somebody who goes around and does spiritual works of kindness, of goodness, and you think, wow, I want to be like that person? I have really felt like they had a very spiritual aura. I'll tell you what, that happened to me one time where if I tell you somebody's really angry, it lets me know what's going on in their heart. Um, But I can remember one time where I was actually in the presence of a saint, a, a true life saint, and I'll tell you the story. I was in the presence of a saint and I didn't have to get too close. They just walked by, or they drove by, and you felt something. There was something there, something very, very good spiritually, something that attracted crowds of people spiritually, and this was St. Pope John Paul II. I went to go see him one time on a World Youth Day, and it was in Paris, and I still remember I was with a group of friends and we weren't sure if we were going to make it to the uh, stadium on time where he was going to be, where he was going to talk to the crowds of people that had shown up. And uh, we were walking towards the stadium, but we weren't sure that we were going to make it on time to, you know, get a good place and all these things. And we we're worried about a bunch of things. <clears throat> Excuse me. We were worried about, you know, are we uh, are we gonna be in the front row? Are we gonna oh man, we're imagining, imagine he comes by, we're by the guardrail, we get to shake his hand. Oh, I don't know. It seems like an impossible task. There's so many people there. For all I know, you know, gosh, we might just see a, a white speck of the pope as he's standing on the stage. And lo and behold, as we're walking down the street, we see the, the the cops are, you know, in a frenzy and they're putting up barricades and they're doing all these things, and we're like, what's going on? Oh my goodness, ultra, ultra security here. And we didn't realize wow, you know, they're they're blocking all the crowd. And what we didn't realize is that we were on the street for the motorcade of the Pope to get to the stadium. We didn't know that. So all of a sudden, as they're blocking the street, we're like, what's going on? And then all of a sudden, we we hear some of the people saying, il papa, il papa. And we're like, the Pope? Yeah, we're all going to the Pope. We didn't understand what the, the rush was about. But they blocked off the street. And lo and behold, all of a sudden, these cop cars come flying by. And, you know, some official looking cars come flying by and the Pope mobile comes by and the Pope is there and he's waving. Now, granted, they didn't go very slow. They were they were going kind of at regular speed. But but as he was coming by, everybody around us, we knew that there was something special going. on. How do I know this? Because as the Pope went by and all it was was his aura, if you will. And all I can attribute this to is his inner life. It's what we give off. Somebody has a good vibe, you know that there's something good going on inside of them. I'm not saying that their life isn't perfect, that their life isn't without turmoil. I'm not saying that they might not even be feeling depressed, because there's a lot of patients I see who are depressed, who are living depressed on the inside, yet on the outside, they're very, very happy, or they appear to be happy. They lift other people up, because they don't want their turmoil to be part of other people's lives. That's really being in tune with yourself at that point. But the Pope goes by, and the crowd starts crying. I started crying. My buddies were crying. We all looked at each other and we're like, why are we crying? But we were crying with joy. We had never experienced anything like that. It was just this general aura that you could not deny. I would equate it on a small scale to the miracle of the sun at Fatima, where everybody looked up in that moment and they all saw this happen. They couldn't explain it, but they saw it happen. And they said, yeah, we saw the sun dance and we saw, you know, our clothes were dried up and everything got clear and we can't explain what just happened. There was something definitely supernatural here. Pope drives by, I felt his inner life is what I felt. That's all I can attribute it to. He drove by and he had the whole crowd. He didn't stop. He was waving, right? Because he's waving to all the people. There wasn't, I would say, a huge, huge crowd because we're on the street like normal. Nobody knows that this motorcade's going by. Nobody told us. Uh, To me, it was one of those moments where we say miraculous, where God was working. We're trying to get there. God saw probably the desire in our hearts to see the Pope and we were able to see him pretty up close. You know, he drove by. <clears throat> but what he left was this sense of peace and of joy. We were crying. Really, the tears were tears of joy. It was not sadness at all. You could not describe it other than there was a golden glow around him. That's the best way I could describe it. <clears throat> Why? Because that was the Pope's inner life. The Pope was so powerful. Pope John, St. John Paul II was so powerful in his holding of the truth and his love of Christ. There's so many stories about his love of the Eucharist that's what his inner life consisted of. I'm going to focus strictly on God. It's easy for us to focus on the bad. What does my inner life consist of? What baggage am I carrying? Even if I hold on to, say, a negative headline and I think about that all day and I ponder that all day, that's what I'm going to carry in my inner life. And what I don't realize is that that's the aura that I'm going to give off. That's the aura other people are giving off. So if you see somebody who's a Scrooge-like character, somebody who's not doing really well, somebody who's uh, in turmoil, you got to wonder. They must be struggling in their inner life. They can't be at peace. It'd be impossible. If somebody's at peace, they're going to want to give peace. We can't give what we don't have. So, the inner life for us, we want to develop it. But what's the point? Do I want to develop the inner life so that I go to therapy and I don't feel depressed anymore, or anxious? Sure, absolutely. I say, do that. Do I want to go to the inner, develop my inner life so that uh, I have a better relationship with my family members, with my friends? Absolutely. Do I want to develop my inner life so that I'm more at peace with myself? Yes. Wonderful. And you're going to get all that if you go to a therapist, psychiatrist. Where do we take that step further as Catholics? We really want to develop that inner life to the point where I get closer to Christ. Because the inner life I want to have, ideally, would be the kind where I can give Christ's glow to the people around me. That's what St. Pope John Paul II did. There's no question about it for me. That was Christ. He brought Christ through that motorcade. He brought christ through everybody i think that i tasted a little bit of the joy that we would have when we are in the presence of christ as somebody who truly loves us there was nothing but peace and nothing but joy it was hard to describe it touched us in a way that nothing else mattered in that moment you know sometimes uh it's almost like uh i can understand why people do drugs they want to chase a high they want to feel good but it's not lasting and it hurts us you know drugs aren't good in the sense that you're going to get addicted it's going to hurt you physically. We've seen what it does. I've seen as a physician, I've seen what drugs do to people where they get deteriorated. They, they look bad. Their skin looks bad. Their face looks bad. They look emaciated. It didn't do anything good, but they were they were chasing this high. They were chasing a momentary pleasure. This was very, very different And that we wanted to chase that, but there was nothing that felt unhealthy about it. It wasn't going to land me in the hospital. I w- I couldn't overdose on it. I could only get happier on it but it was very elating, very joyful. Uh, it was something that was so positive that we wanted more of that. How do I get that into my inner life? Well, St. Pope John the Paul II had a wonderful aura about him. It, it really showed me at that moment where saints, when you talk about coming closer to saints, and I never met St. Mother Teresa, but I can only imagine coming, you know, people always say, there's something about this person that they leave you feeling better than when you, than before you met them there's something about this person where they they make you feel present and they are present to you they are in that moment nothing else mattered people would always talk about going to talk to saint pope john paul ii and saying and and for those 15 minutes they were with him they said nothing else mattered he made you feel like you were the most important thing in the world he was the pope taking care of the catholic church and for those 15 minutes he saw who you were and that's all that mattered Everything else fell, he didn't pay attention to anything else. You were all that matter. I think that that's really the approach of Christ. I think that that's him bringing Christ to us and not him to us. Well, how can I get there? How can I improve in my spiritual life? What do I got to do to study that? Well, how am I going to get my inner life closer to looking like Christ and feeling that joy for myself? Well, we're going to talk a little bit more about that as our final solution in the inner life getting to heaven, getting closer to Christ. Having that deeper relationship with Christ, because that's really the goal of our spiritual inner life when we come back from the break. All right, folks, well, welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You are listening to the Dr. Luis Sandoval show. Let me tell you, folks, the most important thing we can do is join our life to Christ. Ultimately, that's our goal, right? Why is it that Christ left us communion, holy communion? Why is it that Christ left us the sacrament of confession where I need to get closer to Christ? Cause that's all he wants for us. Our interior life, the same way that I get to know people through therapy and I go deep and I ask them questions and I see what they're about. If I'm going to join my interior life to the fullest, if I'm going to open up that video game inside of me and go on these adventures and pray for the people in purgatory and ask the people in heaven to pray for us and get to know our Lord and our lady the most, I think I have to sit down and I have to ask them how they are doing. I need to get to know Christ. How do I know Christ if I'm always asking him questions and I'm always telling him what I need and what I want, and I don't stop and ask him, Lord, what's going on with you? How are you feeling? How do you feel now that you've resurrected everything you went through? What was that like for you to be on that cross? I mean, I cannot even imagine, and you did it for me. I mean, it's easy for me to think of that. You did it for yourself or you gained glory or, or. but I got to realize you didn't need to do it. You're God. You don't need me at all. You didn't need to do any of that. How do you feel about me right now? Am I doing okay for you? Am I, what do you need from me right now? You need me to pray for that person across the world. And I'm never going to know what the fruits of my labor, you need that for me. I'm going to go ahead and do that. Do we sit down? Our lady, how are you doing? What was life like for you? Do we sit down and have a personal conversation with our family in heaven I wonder about that because that's our interior interior life how am I going to get to know them am I honest with God a lot of times we come to pray with God and we want to put our, our best face forward and we you know we come to pray and we want to look like we're perfect just like Jesus said in that in, in the gospel the parable of the the uh, uh, Pharisee who was praying in the front and saying Lord thank you for not making me like this terrible tax collector in the back of the church right do we I come to God and show him how great I am? Or do I sit there with God and say, God, I'm really struggling with this right now. You know, this is this is a temptation I have and it's hard for me to overcome it. That's what's going on in my interior life. And I'm sorry about that. I want to get over this, but I don't know how. You know, gosh, I'm I keep gossiping about people and I don't know I don't know how to stop it. And I recognize that I'm doing it, but I don't know. That's what's going on in my interior life. Or geez Lord, you know, I can't stop watching pornography. I don't know why. Or I know I shouldn't be dating this girl, and, but I'm in this relationship. I don't know how to get out of it. Or I keep having sex with my boyfriend and I feel really bad, but God, please help me understand why I'm doing this. Do we actually have that sit-down therapy conversation with Christ? I think in order to do that, sometimes it's hard to be guided because yeah, unless you have a good spiritual director who understands that, who understands that God, that Jesus was became human so we could... Taught to him from a human perspective, and that we have God the Father and the Holy Spirit, so we can tap into the divine life. I think it's hard to really sit down and do that because the world keeps us too busy. What I would recommend for everybody is to read a book called The Imitation of Christ. It's written by Tomasa Kempis. It's The Imitation of Christ. And if you look at chapter two, chapter two is an or book two, excuse me, it's split up into books called Considerations for Interior Life. The remainder of the show, I just want to read a little bit about this because this is how we kind of get to our spiritual journey. This is how we're going to find peace among ourselves. I'm going to read a little bit about from the first book, and then I'm just going to read, um, excuse me, from the first chapter. And then I'm just going to read the first sentence of every chapter. There's about 15 chapters in book two here. And it's all about considerations for interior life. This is ultimate therapy. This is ultimate high-yield spiritual therapy for us. Listen to this. If all goes well with you on earth, how can you expect to be crowned in heaven for the the patience you never practice? How can you be Christ's friend if you will not be opposed? Therefore, you must suffer with Christ and for Christ if you want to reign with him. Can you dare complain when Christ was so willing to suffer and be despised? Do you expect all to be your friends and patrons when Christ was surrounded by enemies and slanders? This is important in the interior life because if I'm going to join myself to Christ, I got to understand spiritually, if I want to have that peace that Pope John Paul II had, I got to understand that there's going to be an internal spiritual battle with the world. The world wasn't kind to Christ. They're not going to be kind to us, but that's going to join me to Christ. I think it's worth the battle. Listen to this. If you once, if once you had entered into the interior life of Jesus and there tasted a little of his ardent love, You would not consider your own convenience or inconvenience, but you would even rejoice over insults done to you, for love of Jesus would urge you to despise yourself. It's funny, when when Pope St. John Paul II drove by, I thought nothing of myself at all. That moment of joy, it was, I can't even describe it. It was all about, I was experiencing joy, and all I wanted to do with that joy was share the joy. I didn't want it for myself. I had it, it's like I experienced it and I wanted to share it with other people. All I could equate that to is like winning the lottery and just wanting to give it away because you're gonna see how happy other people are. That sense of joy, you wanted to talk to other people to describe it and when you're describing it, you would hope that they would share it but we all shared it at the same time. It was like a little taste of heaven. That's really what, it was being in the presence of Christ. I can't, I can't deny it, I can't explain it. There's nothing, there's something very spiritually scientific about it but nothing that the science of this world would ever touch it's hard to describe. Let's keep reading here. Those who love Jesus and the truth, who lead an interior life free from unruly affections, can turn to God at will, lift themselves up in spirit, and repose in Christ with joy. They are wise who observe things as they are and not by what is said about them or by the value put on them, for they are taught by God and not by humans. When we tap into that interior life with Christ, God's going to let us see things for what they are. This is what I'm talking about. He's going to let us see that that person who's really mean and ornery and who's who's saying bad words to everybody and whatnot, I'm going to be able to see that, and I'm going to be able to look past that and be able to see that person's really hurting. Why? Because that's the way God sees it. As human beings, we say, man, that person's terrible. Maybe they need to get arrested. What do they do? Put them in jail. Punish them. God doesn't see us that way. I can tell you when I experienced that joy, there was no sense of punishment. There was no sense of telling anybody anything bad. It was all about uplifting people. And it was all about finding the good. Like I could turn around and if there were a burglar there at that moment, I would turn around and with that joy I felt. And I would tell him, oh, trust me, you don't want any of that. Let me, let me share this joy with you. You're going to want to leave all of that. Let's get right in here. Those who can raise their minds to God with little regard to outward things do not need to look for a place or time to pray or to do good deeds. You're going to pray all the time. You're just going to be in constant prayer. You're going to live life. You're going to go through the motions. You're going to get up. You're going to talk to people. You're going to do your job. You're going to do everything you need to do in constant conversation with God. There's no question about it. For interior persons, not being wholly occupied with things of sense, meaning the senses, can easily fix their mind on God. The exterior work is no obstacle to them, nor is any necessary employment. They will apply themselves to each in turn and refer all to the will of God. Once we reach that interior life with God, we realize that emotions get in the way, how I feel about things get in the way. I feel happy about this. I feel sad about that. I don't know how I feel about that. We're going to realize that God's joy comes from an intellectual, this is what I'm going to do, and I'm going to do it because it's what God wants me to do. And once I do that, then I'm going to have happiness, and I'm going to have peace and joy. If your soul is well disposed and disciplined, You will not be surprised or disturbed by the perverse conduct of others. Just like I was saying, you will be hindered and distracted to the extent that you are taken up with worldly matters. If I worry so much about the world and what's going on in the world, I'm always going to be hindered and I'm always going to be distracted. But if I worry about what's going on in the spiritual world, if I turn on that video game and enter the world of spirituality of Catholic spirituality, of understanding what God wants, I'm never going to be hindered. Let's keep reading here. If you were well purified from worldly attachments, whatever happens would turn to your spiritual profit and to an increase of grace and virtue in your soul. But because of your excess love of earthly things, many things displease and annoy you. This is true. The reason that people feel displeased and annoyed, if you look at society right now, how many people are truly happy Or how much is everything a battle of? Listen to what they said and look at what they're doing. And they do this, and they—it's like this war among ourselves. It's everything is displeasing, everything is annoying. Why is that? Because we're not purified from the world, because we haven't turned to God. Nothing so defiles and ensnares a person's heart as the undisciplined love of created things. If you will refuse outward consolations, then you will think of heavenly things and continually give praise to Him with a joyful heart. Well, that's pretty deep. What I want to do here now, that was just from the first chapter in the book. You know, it really leads us to realizing that interior life, sometimes we feel like I need to go to a therapist because I don't feel good inside. I don't feel like things are right inside. And I think that's a great place to start. We have to start with asking the question, why do I feel how I feel? And of course, we understand it from our senses. You know, I don't feel good. That didn't look good. That didn't sound good. That's how we start. But as we go deeper and deeper into that subconscious, if we just stop at the world and material things and we don't get into that video game sense, if you will, of a spiritual life, I'm not going to live those spiritual adventures with Christ. That's going to be lacking. I'm never, I'm never going to reach that sense of joy and peace. We don't teach peace in therapy. We teach how not to be depressed. We teach how not to be anxious. But we don't take that step further. If you ever notice, you never go to a therapist who tells you, hey, let's get you to a state of joy. It's not taught. It's not part of our science. It's not part of the DSM. It's not part of our diagnosis. It's not part of our well-being. Are they they in a state of joy? That's really what I want my patients to get to, but you're never going to get there if you don't involve Christ in your inner life or if you don't take your inner life to that spiritual level. All right. Chapter two, this is just, I'm just going to read the first sentence. The title is on humble Submission. Do not be concerned about who is on your side or who is against you. Just be sure that God is with you If your conscience is clear, be sure that he will defend you. The malice of others can never harm you as long as he is by your side. Chapter three, the peaceful person. That's just the first sentence. You must first have peace in your own soul before you can make peace between other people. Chapter four, on purity of mind and a simple intention. We are lifted up above earthly things by two wings, simplicity and purity. Simplicity regulates the intentions and purity the affections. Simplicity looks to God and purity finds him and savors him. No good work will hinder you if your heart is free from inordinate affections. On the contrary, you will grow in the way of perfection. Chapter 5, unknowing yourself. We cannot count on ourselves much, for often through lack of grace and understanding, Our judgment is a limited one, and we soon lose what we have through our own neglect. Often we are unaware of our own interior blindness. Many times we do evil, and what is far worse, we justify it. Does that sound like society today? I'm going to do something that I know is bad. That's obviously bad. But I'm going to justify it by saying, no, this is important for me. This is important because of this. I'm going to tell you why I'm going to keep doing this. Let's read a couple more here as the show comes to a close. Chapter 6, On the Joy of a Good Conscience. The glory of a good person is the evidence of a good conscience. Have a good conscience and you will always be happy. And chapter 7, On the Love of Jesus Above All Things. How blessed are those who know how good it is to love Jesus and to despise themselves for his sake. Jesus wills to be loved alone above all other things, and we must forsake other loves but his. Really, folks, that's what it comes down to. We want to have peace. We want to have joy. We want to get closer to Christ. We want to look at our interior life and say, what am I fighting? for? What really matters? Am I trying to get closer to God? And once we get there, once we humble ourselves, we'll be in peace.